it's NHL Fantasy on Ice. And the Yahoo Fantasy Hockey Rankings are out, so let the debate and dialogue begin. Where does Bennington deserve to be slotted? Makar or Darlene? And what are the concerns surrounding Tom Free Willie Wilson? I'm just getting warmed up. What's up, everybody? Jensen and Reese here with you talking fantasy rankings. Yahoo Fantasy officially up and running, Rob, and we're excited for the launch. Very fun time of year, Pete. We also have our rankings up on NHL.com backslash fantasy. You can check it out divided by forward, defenseman, goalie, or the whole top 250 together. I can't wait to break these down further. And the rankings are interesting because they're kind of the basis of all our different uh, components of our fantasy coverage. And we kind of look at them over the course of a few months. We look at them as uh, the fact. But the reality is that other people have different opinions supported by facts. And that's where the debates get really interesting here. That's right, Petey. I'm basically a chemist with these rankings at this point in my career. But so is Scott Pianowski, Yahoo Sports Fantasy Scribe covering all sports. Scott, thanks for joining us today. What's up? Not much. Uh, it's, it's still pretty warm in, in Michigan, but um, it's going to be cool really soon with training camps not far away. And uh, I'm looking forward to an exciting and fun fantasy hockey season. So let me get this straight. You're in the dog days of summer, your baseball coverage. You got your NFL coverage ramping up with drafts on the horizon. And then you're also working in some fantasy hockey rankings per usual. How do you balance all this stuff? And how much time do you actually have to devote to hockey in your crazy schedule? I mean, it's it's definitely a balancing act. I actually do a little bit, just a little bit of fantasy golf work too. But, um, you know, it's a labor of love. I'm the way I look at it is steak is my favorite food to eat. I wouldn't want to eat it every day. You know, sometimes I'm going to want pasta. Sometimes I'm going to want fish. Sometimes <laughs> I'm going to want, you know, something different. So um, I like to think that I'm always in season. Um, I even dabble in fantasy basketball a little bit. But, um, you know, hockey, I grew up in New England, Boston Bruin fan. They put skates on you when you're like two. You grew up with Fred Cusick. Hockey is was really the first first sport I ever loved. It's just been something that I mean, as a Bruins fan, I'm I'm still getting over. I don't. Everybody is sick of, of New England winning championships, but you know the Bruins haven't had that big of a role in that. They only had that one title over Vancouver in the last few decades. Mm-hmm. But I'm still getting over the Game Seven. You know, uh, but I think the road team won five games in that finals. And cap, you know, hats off to the St. Louis Blues. What a story! They were in last place early in January. But um, you know, grew up in New England. You grew up in New England, you're a Bruins fan, you're a hockey fan. I consider myself probably more of a fan of the league now in, in the position that I'm in and the position that you guys are in. You know, you end up following all the teams. Big hockey guy, and it's always going to be a sport that's very close to my heart. So let's dive right into these rankings. We looked through these yesterday. One thing stood out to me right off the top. You have Roman Yossi ranked higher than Subban. What's your rationale there? Yeah, you know, I, I think I, I just want to see Subban get back on the right track, I probably getting traded at the right time. And it, it does look interesting that New Jersey power play, you, you see how it can be coming together, but I'm a little burned by Subban. just not being the player in Nashville that I thought he could be and should be. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's a five and six difference. A lot of times a one slot ranking difference isn't going to be necessarily that big of a deal. And this may be something mm-hmm. a lot of times my rankings will get ironed out when I get into the meat of draft season. And I'll be facing a choice like this, and I may make a different choice that goes against my rankings and realize I need to change it. That's really when you the rubber meets the road and you find out how you really feel about a player. But I guess with Subban, 
just because he's been off a couple of down years you know, for, for him. I mean, this is a guy, his upside is Doris Trophy winning upside. His upside is best defenseman or second best defenseman in the game. Mm. So I guess I just need a little bit of show of faith. I feel like Yossi has a higher floor on a team that I'm more settled with. Yeah, there's no doubt that Roman Yossi's safer. I just think a lot of people are diving into that uh, renewed upside for P.K. Subban. We'll see how it shakes out, former teammates. Now Subban's the main guy in New Jersey, so that's a cool storyline. Uh, so your top five overall is the same as ours, only a different order. But I think things get really interesting at number six. Uh, you have Sidney Crosby there. We have Brad Marchand there. Our mock draft had Brent Burns there. Why Crosby at number six? Yeah, it's funny. You know, I wonder sometimes if in an attempt to not be a Bruin homer with my rankings, that sometimes I ding the guys a little bit more. It's <laughs> going to be important with Crosby, his fantasy value, is if he acquires wing eligibility at some point this year. I struggled with having Connor McDavid as my number one player because as anybody who's played fantasy knows, it's just easier to find centers and it's harder to find wingers. We have very liberal position eligibility rules and you'll you'll find during the season a lot of guys will add positions and some guys may cover all three forward positions but it's still harder to get the wing easier to get the center and that's often the tiebreaker so when you when you guys raise this question to me i i can't say that maybe marchand should be a slot higher i just feel like crosby's upside is still scoring champion you know mvp of the league marchand i don't think is quite that player you have a little bit i hate to say this but just a little bit of the knucklehead risk with you know, Marchand. You hope he doesn't do something, mm-hmm. get suspended, or you know he, he obviously is a more physical player than Crosby. That brings a little bit of risk in there. It's a really close call, and if somebody says, "Hey, I want Marchand because he's a, a wing eligible," and Crosby isn't, I totally get that. I just feel that Crosby has more point upside. I don't know, just maybe a little bit more resume than Marchand, but it's a very close call. I'm on the, the side of the fence where I'm taking the positional player. I just think that we mm-hmm. see with these centers, like you mentioned it, I mean, there's just so many of these guys you don't need to reach for one. Kind of along those lines, though, is there any player in the top 15, maybe top 20, that you're scared to draft? You know, I'm, I'm curious to see how uh, Panarin, how does a guy that talented get moved as often as he has? I, I know he hasn't always been happy at every spot. I really liked him in Chicago. I really liked him in Columbus. I, this Rangers team still worries me a little bit. He's going to be good no matter who he skates with, but I, I guess maybe I have a little bit of sticker shock just because he's going to have a different sweater on this year. There are so many guys out there, too, that provide really strong category coverage. Panarin only had 18 power play points last year and doesn't really cover any of those uh, physical peripherals or anything mm-hmm. like that, So, and his shot volume is not ridiculously high. So even if he scores 85 points, which he's shown he's capable of without, or, you know, regardless of line mates, I think there are definitely some questions with Panarin, but we both have that him. That's a great point. As leagues get more dynamic and as more leagues are using hits and, and you know, more or penalty minutes, I guess, with their old staple, we're kind of moving away from that. But you, you make a great point that there isn't a width to Panarin's statistical game, and we, we he really needs to get you 85 or 90 points to justify his draft slot. Now, what about a goalie here? Jordan Bennington, one of the most prominent players in the offseason in terms of hype for this year. How high would you reach for a player like that? I'm always worried when somebody comes out of nowhere, especially a goalie, and we, we know how goalies are. I mean, guys can go on runs. We, we've seen guys win you know, Vesna trophies and you know, like Jim Carrey and then be out of the league you know, two or three years later. I know that's a, a 20 year old reference and no, I'm not talking about <laughs> the Canadian comedian, but um, yeah, I mean, just, it's kind of like the relief pitchers of baseball. You know, they can be great for a while and then sometimes they just lose their pitch or they lose their stuff or they need Tommy John surgery and they move on to the next thing. 
Bennington never really was a prospect, came up kind of late as an age. It's not that surprising when a goalie comes out of nowhere, and obviously when you invest in a goalie, you're investing in the team, and the infrastructure of St. Louis is very strong. I, I feel a little bit sheepish that they finally won the Cup because for years they were my standard Western Conference choice. I must have picked them four or five years in a row, and I just gave up on it a couple seasons ago thinking it would never happen. Obviously the conference is loaded with good teams, but I guess I'm just nervous to buy into somebody who came out of nowhere, who didn't have necessarily a resume, you just worry that maybe the pixie dust wears off. I don't even think he really played all that well in the finals. He I pulled in at least one game. I thought by far the best goaltender in the playoffs was Tuka Rask, which mm-hmm. isn't necessarily a ding against Bennington. But to me, it's just a matter of does it have a deep enough resume? It hasn't been good for long enough that I feel that I'd like to see him do it again before I pay up. So right now he's my goaltender 11. That's probably going to come in low enough that I, I don't think I'll get him in many leagues. But I'm fine with that. When a story comes out of nowhere in goal, I tend to tiptoe in lightly the next season. We came in with Bennington as we were saying he's not quite a top five goalie. You're saying he's not quite a top 10 goalie. So he's probably going to take, you know, go in drafts earlier than where we have him ranked or maybe definitely where you have him ranked. Are you, so you're just taking a pass on this guy completely, even though he was like 24 and five and won the cup as a rookie? Well, I also wonder if he takes any kind of a step back, I wonder how much game certainty we're getting. Like, I can't rank him above somebody like Carey Price just because the volume of games that I think a Price will get mm-hmm. is so valuable. That's fair. Um, Frederick Anderson I have above Bennington. I Toronto, may, maybe it's just me and Mike Babcock. I just think that that team is a sleeping giant. They probably should have beaten the Bruins in the first round, and they have so many players at, at really good age pockets. I feel like they're a team that's going to go to a finals in a, maybe this year or the next year. I think they're really close to exploding. So I you know, also St. Louis, I, I don't know, maybe it's just a matter of it's just hard to back it up in, in the NHL. There's so many good teams, and you play all those extra games. I just wonder if maybe there's a natural letdown after you finally get over that hurdle and you win the Cup. Maybe I'm uh, emotionally kind of subconsciously taking a step back. Like I've always been a huge Tarasenko guy, and I think I ranked him probably a lot lower than you guys did for two reasons. One, I've never seen that breakout bust out season from him in part because he does so many things well that he's never been asked just to score but i also wonder if because st louis had things go right to win the cup i wonder if i'm just expecting some natural regression in 2019-20 now you have shane gossespierre ranked 41st among defensemen does that mean you're not expecting him in particular to bounce back or maybe you have reservations about this flyers team bouncing back i actually like the flyers team and i think that they really should have a great power play. I know at times last year it wasn't, but I've just seen Ghost in the doghouse too many times. We know he's not good in his own end. Obviously, he's a wonderfully talented offensive player, great puck mover, but I'm just worried there's no floor here. I'm worried the floor is healthy scratch. Mm. The floor is you know, he's playing 13 minutes a night. He's just a specialty player, and so I can't get behind. And also, you know, the Flyers, I think they should be a playoff team. I'm not convinced that they're necessarily a playoff team, and if they are going to make the playoffs, I think it's going to be somewhere – in that six, seven, or eight seed, I think there'll be a team. Now, that may be a good thing. It may mean that they're playing meaningful games late in the season and they're not coasting and resting guys. But he's just I've seen too many potholes with him. I've seen too many times he's been benched for defense, benched for not handling things in his own end. And I don't think the Flyers are necessarily two feet all the way in with him. And they have a crowded blue line with Sanheim emerging last season as well. They do. It's a great point. It's a great point. So it's not like he has to be their quarterback. Do you think uh, Ivan Provorov is a little more appealing if you're going to wait that far to draft a Flyers defenseman? That's the guy. That's a great name. That's the guy. I'd actually have him ranked above Ghost, but um, I I think you can probably get him after 
uh, in a lot of leagues, and I think that's a great target. I, I generally try to be an agnostic drafter, but there's a guy who I'm going to have highlighted on my sheet when I go into draft rooms. I think that's a great call. Another two young defensemen that we thought was an interesting debate looking at your rankings. We have, we're really high on Kale McCarr, the rookie defenseman for the Avalanche. You have Rasmus Dahlin not only ranked ahead of him, but by five, ten spots. I mean, what's the pulse on Rasmus Dahlin compared to Kale McCarr? Are you just a little more confident in the uh, slightly more experienced player? Yeah, obviously more experienced because he's not older. I just see what Don did at age 18. I mean, you're just happy when defensemen, when rookie defensemen go into the league and aren't over their head and they can handle a regular shift. And his ability to, his ability to see a game and control a game, the vision, the passing, I, I just fell in love with them. And, you know, with, with Bacar, I mean, a little bit of a late bloomer, right? I mean, you know, was was in college for several seasons. And then obviously I think he won the Hobie Baker last year. So, I mean, nothing left to prove at that level. But I like that Donald's been around the, the track once. He's been around. I mean, obviously, mm. McCarr got some games in late last season. But I feel like having a full season of experience at a position where experience is gigantically important. Again, a lot of times with a, a rookie defenseman, they just say, look, take care of business in your own end. Don't worry about moving the puck. Don't worry about playing heavy minutes yet, and we'll ease you into it. And I felt like Buffalo realized that they didn't really have to have training wheels on Donald last year. So I think being around the track of the league once has a lot of value and also just more pedigree. And we're talking about one guy who was what the first or second overall pick in his draft class where McCarr was a late bloomer and people didn't see that he was going to be the kind of player. So I'm betting on pedigree and I'm betting on experience. Give me a couple sleeper teams or just maybe one that I should target late in drafts. You know, I, I know they, they went into the playoffs last year and I know they, they were really a dynamic team in the, in the second half of the season, but I think the Islanders don't get, mm aren't seen as like a fantasy force. When you add up what all the ADPs are, I feel like the Islanders are still going to come in below the league average, and that's wrong to me. This is a very well-coached team, a very deep team. I mean, remember, everybody thought they were going to fall apart when Tavares left, and it wasn't the case at all. Not, not knocking Tavares. He had a great season in Toronto. He's a wonderful player, but I think they're sleeping. I think they're still underrated. I mean, they're always going to be kind of the little brother in New York, mm-hmm. you know. No matter how good or bad the Rangers are, it's just the way things are. But I, I think they're a sleeping giant. And I know I poo-pooed um, Subban a little bit, but man, New Jersey has a lot of talent, mm-hmm. and, and I, I just think it's going to explode. I, they, I love the way they've drafted the last few years. I think they have a bunch of guys under like age twenty-three or twenty-four who I, I think are just on the escalator, going to get better. Maybe they're a year away, but they're going to be a team. Again, they're not sexy yet, although the Subban trade does put them a little bit back on the map. I know they have to figure out what their goaltending plan is, but New Jersey's going to be really good in a couple of years. Maybe they, they arrive a year ahead of schedule. I think there's some sleeper value there. Really interesting point on the Islanders because how could you, it's crazy. They were vastly overlooked last year. Then they're overlooked again somehow, even though they made the playoffs last year. Outside the top 100, Barzell might go inside the top 100. But if you're outside, are you more inclined to go with the trots effect and take a chance on Semyon Varlamov? Or are you maybe tapping into that top line with a Jordan Eberle or a category guy in Anders Lee? I think Anders Lee is one of the five most underrated players in the league. I love that they named him captain. He, he fits everything you want a captain to be. He can play physical. He can he can play defense. He can check. He can certainly score. And he's going to get enough power play time to get a share of that. Barzal is going to be a superstar someday. It's just a matter of when. Was he into a third season now? He's so much fun to watch, too. And I also, I think I have a unnatural attraction to players who wear 13. Being in the Michigan area for a long time, 
I fell in love with Datsuk's game, and, and he reminds me a little bit of Datsuk, actually, which is somebody I'd compliment and a connection I would not make lightly. So there, there are a couple of targets I like. I mean, um, again, I, I think this is a team that's being overlooked, and I, I think they're definitely going to be a playoff team again, and they're probably going to be under, an underdog in their first series. I mean, it's just there isn't – until Barzil explodes to, to maybe the player he could be, there isn't that one just knockout star that they had when they had Tavares and – um, I think this team's going to sneak up on a lot of people because it's just the accumulation of good players and a very deep team. They have three really good lines in New York. Who's your favorite second-to-last or last-round draft pick this season? That is a great question. You know, I, I always feel like Kevin Hayes has has another gear. I, maybe it's because I saw him playing in college. I still think he could be a 30-goal guy. I want to see who he links up with in Philadelphia and, and how much specialty time they give him. I feel like you can get him late in drafts. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought Jeff Petrie in Montreal had a really Ooh. nice season last year and didn't get a lot of credit for it. Uh, I think people are, are probably going to overlook him. Uh, those are a couple of guys. Again, I, I mentioned New Jersey. A bunch of players on their team I think would fit this. And, you know, the I know the Kings are probably a lost cause, but I still think Tyler Toffoli should score 60, <laughs> you know, 55, 60 points in some leagues. That's going to have uh, – I mean, you have to deal with the plus-minus, which could be a problem. But <laughs> I still true. think there's some – there's some under uh, underappreciated value with him. I, I am not willing to accept that they're a total dumpster fire. Maybe I should, but I still think they could be at least a competitive team. I like your Hayes choice, only I think that it's going to be more of an impact on his line mates. Like I'd be more inclined to take uh, even a few rounds earlier, like a JVR or Voracek even inside the top 100 because of the potential impact of Kevin Hayes. Um, yeah, I think that's a really interesting point there. And then, uh, yeah, just generally speaking, I mean, we were looking at your rankings, and, of course, they're available on Yahoo.com. You could sign up now uh, for Yahoo Fantasy Hockey. Uh, One other player that jumped out at us was Tom Wilson. He's a polarizing player. He's a physical player, which brings the concerns, like you mentioned earlier, with Marshan, potential suspensions. Uh, Thoughts on Tom Wilson, and I guess why do you have him ranked so low? When somebody has the spike in shooting percentage, it, it makes me a little bit nervous. And this is a guy who, a couple of years ago, I mean, 19 points in a full season. Now, obviously, it's going to be increased ice time. It's going to be increased visibility with better line mates in Washington. That's part of it. But I, I think when I see that spike in shooting percentage, I'm just, it's like a high BABIP in baseball. I just expect it to go back to something more normal. His career shooting percentage is 9.7%. Last year, it was almost 17%. So it's hard for me to take him seriously as a 20-goal guy. I think he goes back to maybe being what he was two years ago, you know, 14 goals, which is fine, 187 penalty minutes, and he's certainly going to hit a lot of guys. So those are good things. But I I don't buy that he's the scorer that he fashioned last season. And And granted, 22 goals in 63 games. So, I mean, you project that out. He's looking at maybe a 30-goal season, but I dare him to be anywhere near 17% Whoa. on shots again. <laughs> I love the take on that one. I definitely can see Tommy Wilson potting around 30, but I think you're right. It's going to have to be a high shooting percentage. Thank you, though, Scott, for your insight. We look forward to getting back into a fantasy league, league with you in September here. That sounds great. You know, Yahoo is thrilled to be partners with NHL.com again. I mean, you guys are the the first source you know for hockey and uh you know you bring credibility to our game we love it and uh let's have a fun season guys
So that was Scott Pianowski from Yahoo Sports. You can follow him on Twitter. He's a great follow for all four major sports at Scott underscore Pianowski. And some interesting food for thought from our guy over at Yahoo about some of these key players around the league. Well, if we would have had him on longer, I'm sure I would have had the Tom Wilson rant. I think so many people, Scott included, that just undervalue this guy year after year. This is a player, Tom Wilson, that point, put up more than a point per game in the OHL and juniors. It took him a little bit to get that top-line position in Washington, but once he's got it, Pete, he's playing close to a point per game. There is nobody else on the, including TJ Oshie, nobody else on the Washington Capitals that is going to play on that opposite wing when he's healthy other than Tom Wilson. So to me, it's about the ceiling. Last time I checked, he's on our breakout candidates list. This is not just a player that you draft in late rounds hoping to get you 2.5 hits per game and some penalty minutes. This is a guy that could score 30-plus goals without a question if he plays 82 games. That's exactly right. And the, the hits is the bonus there. When Yahoo put that standard category in last season, players like Tom Wilson emerged on as value picks. They are no longer value picks. This is a guy that I would now reach for inside the top 115. Make sure I get this top line right wing exposure if I missed out on getting Ovi in the first round. And look at the safety net that we always talk about with Ovechkin. He's always going to be playing with Kuznetsov or Backstrom. Backstrom's in a contract year. The Capitals are always intriguing. They're always safe from fantasy standpoint. And Tom Wilson has that same luxury of always playing with a strong centerman on the first line for Washington. One other thing that really caught my attention here was his take on the Islanders. I, I, I felt like the Islanders, just personally, are going to regress this year. But the way that he kind of said, you know, people slept on them last year, you know, having shades of the past. Am I crazy now to think that Varlamov and Grice could do what Laner and Grice did last season? I heard one word that honestly is pretty stunning. He said definitely wow. in regards to the Islanders making the playoffs, I believe. Which Whoa. I think is far from a sure thing. The Flyers have gotten better. They have a new coach. Rangers and Devils immensely better than last season. And then you still have the Hurricanes in the fringe territory of that division alone, not to mention the Penguins and the Capitals. Jackets probably coming out. But that division is a total logjam, and you can't really make sense of spots three, four, and maybe five. Well, forget the playoffs. I'm looking at fantasy only right now. I mean, so am I drafting Varlamov and Grace as my number one, number two kind of option, or am I steering clear of that? I would take Varlamov as like a third goalie if uh -huh. I could. Maybe a lower end second goalie, hoping that he becomes the full-time starter. I don't really have much interest in drafting Thomas Grice on his own a little later than, uh, you know, than Varlamov just because of his year-to-year -year inconsistency. He's also in a contract year, but that's not a situation where I see Grice being better than last year. I think Grice will be worse than last year. I will say one player on the Islanders that I would like to scoop up in the last round is Devin Taves. This defenseman kind of came out of nowhere, took over what Ryan Pulak, I think, was expected to do last season, and then Barry Trotz put Devin Taves on the power play in the postseason. In the regular season, their power play was terrible. And then Devin Taves gets on the power play in the postseason, and they started to get a little bit more chemistry, little cross-ice passes going on. I'm really intrigued by Devin Taves this year. And they have a new power play coach. He's the, he was the power play coach for the Maple Leafs. He actually, there's a lot of Maple Leafs-Islanders connections since the Tavares-Lamorello switch. 
Uh, but yeah, I think that that new power play wrinkle is interesting from Taves' standpoint. Also, Jordan Eberle uh, was a no-show for most of last season, but really developed into an intriguing player. And if he gets the line stability with Matthew Barzell, you could see him getting back to 55, 60 points without question. Now, the darlene McCarr debate, I'm still going to side with McCarr on this one. I love what Scott had to say about Darlene and, and what he did for the Sabres. But McCarr is going to have the Nathan McKinnon, the Gabriel Landeskog, the Miko Rannon exposure. I mean, you're talking about a player in Darlene that best case, maybe they squeak into the playoffs. Best case for Colorado is they win that division and they turn into one of the elite teams in this league. How many games did McCarr play? How many games does he have under his belt as He's an only NHL played player? 10. He's only played He's 10. He's only played 10 games. And I love both you guys. And I understand he played very well during the playoffs. Here's my issue with you guys and Makar. Mm -hmm. You guys are too high on him. I agree with Scotty Boy. I would put Darlene ahead of Makar. I think you two are guilty of ranking him a bit too high based on the fact the sample size is 10 games, boys. 10 games. Talent is talent no matter how many games you played. And, and there have been quotes circulating in the offseason about NHL players that got to play against Makar in the playoffs. And the name Eric Carlson has been thrown out as a comparison. That I don't know of any better player that could possibly be compared to if you're a young defenseman than Eric Carlson. See, I would have sided with Darlene had that Tyson-Barry trade not happened. That's, that was the, the breaker, the icebreaker for me, why I'm super high on Kale McCarr entering his first full NHL season. So I just think the power play exposure to Nathan McKinnon, Miko Rantanen, assuming Rantanen signs before training camp, Gabriel Landeskog, these are three of the, what, 25, 30 best forwards in the entire NHL, all on the same power play unit. The points are going to come. He's getting 50-plus, I think, if he stays on that first unit. And remind me of what happened with Buffalo's offseason improvements. Uh, last time I checked, they didn't do anything forward-wise that's going to let me say Darlene is going to take another gear. Defensively, yes, they got better defensively. But for forward group-wise, who's going to score the goals? I do, I do like the right shot defensive improvements I mean whether they trade Ristolainen or not it doesn't matter they have guys like Montour Colin Miller but Henry Yokoharu do anything he just has he's gonna have a nice defense pair we'll start with that I agree the secondary scoring for Buffalo is absent is it Marcus Johansson gonna become 60 55 60 point player on his own without any line mate strong line mate I highly doubt it I will say this in all fairness Scott Pianowski, he told me, I booked him, we got him on the show, he's sending me an Outback Steakhouse gift card, <laughs> $50, so that's maybe why I'm, I'm leaning his way, but I, I do think it's tough to put Makar ahead of Darlene, just based on the 10 games you saw him play in the playoffs, that's all I'll say, I think it's a great argument, I, I, I appreciate your sentiment, I just think you have to look at it from, from that sort of prism. And you can also look at some of the other young defensemen. I mean, I'm sure someone out there hearing this debate would throw in a Miro Haskin in, uh, into that mix. Uh, someone who will probably get drafted maybe a round or two after Makar and Darlene could end up being both better than both of those guys. So, so many good young defensemen out there to choose from in the 25-30 range overall. So in these Yahoo rankings, there have also been some position changes heading into this season, Pete. Two big ones right off the bat. Mitch Marner lost his center eligibility. Not sure why he had it in the first place. And then Steven Samkos lost his right wing eligibility too. So now these are two single position players only. Marner's got right wing and Stamkos has center. 
Marner to me is the obvious pick still in the top 15 overall 94 points plays all the time with John Tavares at even strength and on the power play really the only concern is that he's not dual eligible anymore and that he's not signed at the given moment but you expect that to get done I mean if, if this happens the same thing happens with that happened to Nylander last year with Marner the Maple Leafs should have their heads examined they need to get this thing done I assume that they will and when they do uh, Mitchell Marner is a top 15 overall player even without center and Stamkos I mean look at this guy had 37 goals from December 1st to the end of the season he led the league in goals on that stretch so this is a player that it kind of falls into the same category, even though he's center only now. This is a goal scorer, a flat-out goal scorer. If you like to draft goal scorers in round one or early in round two, this is your guy. And you shouldn't have to debate, well, he lost his wing eligibility. Who cares? If this guy can score 50 goals, I don't care what position he plays. Now, interesting debate now that he's not dual eligible. Him with his teammate, another RFA who's unsigned, Braden Point, who do you like better out of that mix? I mean, they're both power play uh, quarter, you know, both power play uh, producers at a very high level, both center only now. So the debate rages on. Who's playing with Kucherov? Probably Braden Point. And he's only like 23. So he's just getting better and better, right? 60, 70, 90. That's the answer then for me. Now, when you look at their power play, they had five guys or four forwards that all had 20 plus power play points on that unit last year. That's ridiculous. They lost JT Miller. But when you look at their offense, Tampa's that is, I think that's a wash. So Stamkos, he'll still get a lot of power play points, maybe even a couple more this year now that Miller's gone. But I don't know if that offsets the potential of having a Kucherov point stack, which you can feasibly do if you take Kucherov early round one, and then you have point maybe on the second, maybe late round two. I wonder if the Tampa Bay Lightning will put a little less emphasis on the regular season this year. I still think Kucherov is an absolute slam dunk for 100-plus, considering he had, whatever, 128. Even even if he comes down 20, 30 points, he's probably still getting you 100-plus. But these other two uh, are a little concerning to me. With what transpired for Tampa Bay in the first round, not winning a game, I just wonder how they're going to shift their focus, shift all their efforts and their enthusiasm towards the season, knowing that uh, the playoffs are a completely different season. And their division is much improved. Florida is one of the most improved teams of the offseason after hiring Coach Q and their additions with Bobrovsky, Brett Connolly, etc. And then you have Montreal now. Hopefully they have Shea Weber for healthy for a full season. That team's going to make some noise with Claude Julien as head coach. So I think Tampa, as much as they are still intriguing, they do still have limitless fantasy value. You might not see the crazy point totals that we saw last season. There was actually just a roundtable debate story on NHL.com. Everybody should check it out. It was both of us with about, I don't know, another five to seven NHL.com so-called experts and uh, interesting choices <laughs> by yourself and me. I mean, you had the Toronto Maple Leafs, which I can't really doubt but I also didn't pick the Tampa Bay Lightning I said that the Florida Panthers have an outside chance to finish first in their state and maybe even the division so that's an interesting well, uh, story that line. the Florida Panthers pick is out there that's definitely out there I'm not on that frequency yet you just yet I'm not there yet but the Toronto Maple Leafs pick I was getting hammered 
on Twitter. I mean, go read if you have time at NHL Reese. Go read the replies. It'll make your afternoon. I was getting killed. <laughs> I still am. My my notifications are still going off. People think number one that I live in Toronto. I don't. I, I live in New York. I'm an American citizen. I don't live in Canada. But Toronto has two of the best centers in the NHL. Two of the best centers in fantasy hockey. A goalie that is top four in wins in the past two seasons. I don't see what I'm missing here. Now they have a right shot defenseman in Tyson Berry. Please, someone tell me why they don't have a chance to win the division. If Tyson Barry gets, if Frederick Anderson stays healthy, he's getting 40 plus wins. And if Tyson Barry uh, translates to that power play, they'll be top three in the NHL and everybody's power play points are going up. Right. Austin Matthews, your power play points are going up. Mitchell Marner, John Tavares, William Nylander, 70 plus points. Yep. That is the ceiling and a very real ceiling for Toronto. From my standpoint with Florida, I mean, it's just missing pieces to the puzzle look at how great this team has looked on paper in years past now they have quenville to put it all together and now they have sergey bobrovsky to hold down 60 plus starts and one more point to that guys like aaron ekblad we still haven't seen his true potential yet we just saw jonathan huberto's true potential last season evgeny dadnoff another guy that got into the 70 point territory uh, Owen Tippett might be coming up from juniors and, and making an immediate impact. They have so many guys like that that can have that next level gear. Could put Florida over the top. And Vincent Trocheck too, only put like 50-something games last year. Previous year, 75 points. I think he'll get you back to 70-plus on a potential line with Mike Hoffman and maybe even Owen Tippett, who you mentioned their prospect. Hey, guys, before we wrap up the show, I got a little text from Scott Pianowski. We dropped the ball. I'll take responsibility. We didn't ask him the one question that everyone is wondering and, and wanting to know. Mm -hmm. Popeye's, the new chicken sandwich just came out. We all know if you're on Twitter, huge debate, Chick-fil-A, Popeye's. I'll say this, and we should have asked Scott. He's a rankings guy. He's a little annoyed. He'll chime in on Twitter. I had the Popeye's chicken sandwich. I've had the Chick-fil-A sandwich, and I am a huge supporter of the Wendy's spicy chicken sandwich. They threw their hat in the ring also yesterday in the Twitter war debate. Let me say this. I'm leaning Chick-fil-A. I love Chick-fil-A. It's not leaving the number one ranking as far as I'm concerned. But the Popeye's chicken sandwich is pretty, pretty tasty. And if you like a little breading, a little crunch on that chicken sandwich and the beautiful pickles they put on there, it's pretty nice. <laughs> Scott Pianowski texted me. He liked the Popeye's chicken sandwich, wow. but still keeps Chick-fil-A number one. I'm not a big chicken sandwich guy, to be honest, especially these days trying to eat a little bit healthier. But I think that Wendy's is my go-to. Once every once every month or two, maybe I'll roll into Wendy's and get a Wendy's is good chicken sandwich with cheese and call it a day. Wendy's is good. You can't go wrong with the classic Wendy's. But just one thing, not to throw third Mike Bobby, the producer, under the bus here. He did tell me before the show started that he got the Popeye's chicken sandwich delivered. <laughs> at 10 p.m. on a Thursday night. And on a I, Friday, Friday on a, night. Oh, excuse me, that's, that's even worse. That's even worse. Excuse me, on a Friday night. And my reply was, how does your night even progress to that point where you're <laughs> getting Popeyes delivered to your home at 11 p.m.? Instead of ragging on me for that, I should get some, some props and some credit. The fact of the matter is DoorDash, I'm up in Westchester. I got a Popeyes nearby. I see. <laughs> I keep seeing the debate. Popeyes releasing this chicken sandwich. The bottom line is I made the move. I wasn't shy. I made the move. I'm sure from the outside looking in, it's a little shaky. People are wondering, how does this guy get the Popeyes at 10, 30, <laughs> 11 o'clock? But I had that Popeyes chicken sandwich on Friday night, and it was nice. And credit to DoorDash for getting the job done. Okay, well, you heard it there first. The Popeyes sandwich is approaching number one. Not there yet, but it is a top three chicken sandwich now. That'll do it for our rankings episode today. 
Don't forget, subscribing to this podcast is free on Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star review if you haven't already. And thanks again to Scott Pianowski for joining us. Reminder, check out our other season preview episodes of NHL Fantasy on Ice. They're all on NHL.com slash fantasy, iTunes, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts these days. We did bounce back players. We did rookies, free agency, coaching changes, mock draft 1.0, you name it. A lot more fantasy shows coming up before the start of the season. So for Scott Pianowski, Rob Reese, Pete Jensen saying so long. Thanks for listening to NHL Fantasy on Ice.